Ready to start this service off a little different. If you left that track plan, we gonna get there. We gonna get there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Can you just tell God thank you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Psalms 100 says we are to enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Before we even offer you glory and honor, we say thank you first. Before we ask for anything, we say thank you first. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, you are awesome. You're great. You're mighty. Isn't God amazing? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. God is great and he is mighty and he is worthy of all glory, honor, and praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to your holy name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We honor you in this place, God. You're welcome here. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bless your name. 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 they sound like voices themselves that's why sometimes we just be quiet and let the instruments mimic our praise because it's being blown with the breath of life anyway so sometimes you just gotta let the let the instruments do the talking thank you lord thank you thank you thank you thank you hallelujah bless your name jesus hallelujah Enjoy the gift of his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. You're holy and you're mighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Jesus. 
are the ones that aren't scripted when you just allow God to move and have his way when you just allow him to be free he in turn allows you to be free in his presence hallelujah 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 and we can't outdo him so you'll always be even more free than he is he's gonna make sure of it because we can't outdo God. We can worship him all we want to, but it's never going to be enough because he's not going to let us beat him given. He doesn't let us beat him given. So God, we bless you. We honor you. We lift your name on high. Bless your name. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord, you're worthy, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy, Jesus, and we give you praise, Lord, you're worthy, Jesus. that this is happening now because of the songs that we're singing today they both have parts that just all you say during certain parts is oh there's no other words just the words oh and if you if you listen to the room you, you hear that sound sometimes you just need to may be a foreign concept to some of us, but sometimes you just, just wail before God. Not lament. Wail. Moan. Groan. Sometimes we don't have the words to say. 
right? I know sometimes when I pray, I'm like, well, Lord, I done said thank you. I done said you're worthy. You're awesome. And I don't, I feel like I've run out of things to say. But I will never run out of a sound as simple as a moan or a groan. I have a couple of scriptures that I want to read that address this very thing. Romans chapter 8. Verse 26 says, in the same way, the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. We do not know what to pray to offer or how to offer it as we should, but the Spirit himself knows our need and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groanings too deep for words. Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 2, verses 23, 24, and 25. Now it happened after a long time, about 40 years, that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel groaned and sighed because of the bondage, and they cried out. And their cry for help because of their bondage ascended to God. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them and was concerned about them, knowing all, understanding all, remembering all. All they did was moan and groan. They didn't have no words. Because by that time, who's got strength to try to figure out what to say anyway? I don't know what to say, but I'm calling out to you anyway. So this morning, I am encouraging you I am encouraging you, not just while you're here, but at any point in time, especially in your day-to-day -day life, allow yourself times where you just cry out to God. You just moan and groan because if the Spirit himself does that on our behalf, we are doing nothing but following suit. And if we are taught that we should pray the scriptures, Whatever moaning and groaning the Holy Spirit does on our behalf, if we copy that, if we, if we mimic that, we are in agreement with him. We're doing what he does. If we're taught to say what God says, we are doing what God does. Is the Holy Spirit not God? So we're going to mimic. And so I am encouraging you, let yourself cry out and moan from your very soul moan and groan from your very soul when we sing these parts or if you just have a, a, a sound that you want to get out of you let it come from the, the the very base of you the bottom of you let it come from the deepest part of you because God will understand he understands he understands and he is he is glorified and he is honored in our moans and our groans he heard the children of Israel. He said their cries ascended to him. Their cries ascended to him. So let your cry ascend to God no matter what it's about, no matter what it's behind. Just let it out. Just let it out. Let it go. Y'all ready? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes that's all you got left anyway, right? Hallelujah. Let's practice. Hallelujah. Glory.
through both of these songs. Hallelujah. Ha. a good moan will save your life. I don't know about none of, nobody in here. I had some unforeseen circumstances come up at the end of last year, and I couldn't do anything some of those days but moan and groan and cry before God. It was all I had. It was all I had, but he heard me, and he understood. He understood me, and he came to see about me. He came to see about me because my cry rose up to him. So I will forever, I will forever moan. I will forever groan. I will forever cry out because he hears us. He hears us, y'all. He hears us. Hallelujah. Jesus, you're the name. 
someone to come and see about you. You probably start off just, oh, oh. But the longer you have to wait, where the harder that time becomes, I think you'll get a little more guttural, right? Because you become more desperate. You're more desperate for him to show up. It's okay to be desperate for God to show up. It's okay to be desperate for him. David said, I will get even more undignified than you ain't seen nothing. You think I'm going to act a fool. I will do whatever I need to do. Hallelujah. just sing that just one that last chorus just one more time really quickly but I don't know about you but I actually came in here today with real battles going on like outward inward upward 
It's not like I'm having an issue with God. It's that sometimes my flesh gets in the way. Come on, somebody. My flesh gets in the way of my intimacy with God. We're in a real battle, and the answer is the Lord. It's, it's not my righteousness. It's not our goodness. It's not how we can pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. It's the blood of the Lamb that absolutely brings healing and reconciliation and wholeness. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. If you are going through a battle, if you know what a battle is, there should be something rising up inside of you right now. That groan that she was talking about, that Shayla was saying, man, when I've got a battle going on, God! Every battle is yours. God, every victory is yours. It's yours. It's yours. There's a guttural cry of surrender to the king. So I just want to encourage you if you're going through something, if you need a breakthrough, if you're in a battle outwardly, inwardly, financially, relationally, emotionally, just lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Let it shout out just as we sing this. Every battle, Lord God, every battle is yours, Jesus. Come on. Every victory is yours. Every victory is yours. You rose. You reign. Death is buried in the grave. Hell cannot defy your name. You
Father, every victory is yours. Daddy, every battle is yours. We surrender today. Every battle, every fight, every uh, obstacle of the enemy, every Jericho wall, Lord God, every tension, every strife, Lord God, every negative thought, every depressing memory, Lord God, every experience that has brought shame and hurt and condemnation. In the name of Jesus, the victory is yours. The battle is yours. Healing is yours. Salvation is yours. Peace is yours. Wholeness is yours. The victory is yours. You're the King of kings and Lord of lords. We surrender our control. We surrender our control. We lay our lives down before you, Jesus. Whatever it may be that we face, whatever giant stands in our way, whatever condemnation rises up in our heart, Father, we know that the victory is yours. So let your kingdom come in every area over sickness over disease over 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 negative reports lord god over broken relationships this morning lord jesus father over prodigal children who have wandered away lord god father over over lack and and, 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 and depression and suicidal thoughts lord god let your kingdom come in jesus name Let your will be done in our lives for your glory. Let it be done in our lives. Let it be done on earth. Let it be done in this church. Let it be done in our nation, in our world, as it is in heaven. And we will give you the glory and the honor and the praise because you deserve it all in Jesus' name. Come on, church. And everybody said, so be it. Amen and amen. Let's give them some praise. If you believe the answer is on its way, Father, we love you just for who you are. You are the victory. You are the victor over the grave. Oh, church, I love that song. Death has been swallowed up. Like, I know theologically we get it, that Jesus won all, you know, over hell and death and sin and the grave. But there always seems to be an asterisk next to it. I know he can do all that, but then there's my situation. But, but, but then there's my hurt. But, but, but then there's my shame. But then there's my broke. But, but, but then there's my. We need to get rid of the asterisk in our spirit. You are saved. You are redeemed. You are reconciled to the King of Kings. The blood of Jesus cries over you. His death brings you healing. He is the Lord of, of He is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's the mighty warrior dressed for your battle. That's who He is. And because you are His, there is victory in the Lord. Man, I love. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you for reminding us that it's all about Jesus. Thank you for letting us just cry out. Because it's not about a good worship time. It's about who we're worshiping in the midst of that time. You know, I know today's a big day for some people. I don't know, there's something going on later on tonight. But I was texting with a a bunch of uh, pastors in our area this morning and we were so excited because someone's going to win tonight, right? Somebody. But 
When you're in Christ, you've already won. That battle is for 60 minutes for a trophy that will perish and fade. This is how I know this, not just because we know people who've won it. I know this because I could ask you who won Super Bowl 35? And ain't nobody in here knowing that answer. Someone's gonna guess the Patriots, probably a good guess. You don't know because within 20 years it doesn't matter any longer. But see, we're not in a 60-minute battle for a trophy that perishes and fades. We're in an eternal battle for the souls of our kids, for the souls of our marriage, for the, for the life of our friends. That's what this is. What a great opportunity we have to be together today in the house of the Lord. So thank you for coming today. Thank you for getting up. and getting in the car and getting over here before you stuff yourself with so many buffalo wings that you can't speak. But it's great to have you. Look, if this is your first or second time at Connect, if you, thank you for coming and being our guest this morning. It's great to have you. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing in this place. And we'd like to get to know a little bit more about you. I'm sure you may want to know a little bit more about us. Up on the screen, you're going to find a QR code. That QR code is all around this building. You can go to that. It'll tell you just a little bit more about who we are. But it's also a place that we can hear back from you so that we can hear your story. Because you matter to us. You matter to us. Every, Jesus said, I'll leave the 99 to go find the one. Because that one person, that one story, that one life is important. That one, you are that one. Maybe you're not in church today. Maybe you're that one who is still watching to decide whether they want to come. Maybe you're at home today who is suffering from COVID and, and sickness. Maybe, maybe you're on vacation. Maybe you're already starting for the prepare for the big game tonight. We want to let you know we are so glad that you are here. Thank you for checking in, being a part of us this morning. Where you are, that's where God is as well. So when we're praying, pray. When we're, when we're saying amen, amen. When we're worshiping, get up off your couch and worship. Let's change the atmosphere in South Jersey, in Philly, in North Jersey. Let's change the atmosphere of what God is doing. So we're so good to have you. Church, I love being here. I love that we're here. And we love our kiddos who are worshiping so great and so awesome. So kiddos, could you follow uh, the sign out, Mr. Vito out? Give them a hand, guys, as they're going. And as you're being seated, give somebody next to you a high five. Tell them it's great to have them in the house today. You know, even before I hop into the Word today, I just want to remind us of how great forgiveness is. How great of an opportunity is for that the Bible says we have unfettered access to the throne room, to the, to the throne of grace. Because just before I came in here, I needed, I went to the throne of grace. Because I needed, just in my own self, I just, I, there's brokenness. And I'm like, I'm not going to go here with brokenness. And I just two seconds, two minutes before the throne of grace. How beautiful is it to know that there's a throne of grace for every one of us? Every one of us. The sin doesn't have to be gigantic. 
Like, I'm not standing up here telling you that I robbed the bank before I came to church this morning. It's not about that. It's about things great and small. It's about realizing and taking those moments where the Holy Spirit quickens you and says, pushes. <clears throat> Anybody ever get a massage? Anyone? That, like, all right, you, yeah, the rest of you are liars. Um, like, I, I used to love getting massages. Massages sound great until the massage starts, right? And then they start pushing on areas you didn't know you were sore. And they're like, they're like and you're like, ah! And, right? And sometimes I feel like that's my relationship with God. Sometimes my relationship with the Holy Spirit is me walking, thinking that he's going to massage me, get me like, hey, life's good, you're doing good, Kyle, like, like he's my life coach or something, like he's, he's my cheerleader, come on, you're doing good, and no, 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 he's my masseuse. He starts, there's some stuff that makes me feel good when he brings his touch, and then there are some things that he starts push, pushing on that I didn't know I was sore in before. And it's what we do in those moments. It's not the fact that we have those moments. It's what we do in those moments that matter. So even if you're in church, like there's been so many times I've watched people just kneel down in the middle of service or in the middle of worship. Like, why wait? The throne of grace is there. And the grace of God came at a gigantic price. All right, that's my pre-sermon sermon. Are we good? I don't know about you, I get excited about grace. Here's the truth. I didn't always. Because I grew up religious. So I got excited about being good and doing good. Knowing I couldn't do it anyway. So I just got good at hiding it. And then grace showed up. And grace is a game changer. Because grace is not a theology. Grace is a person. And when I could see those areas are the things that keep me from him. <clears throat> but he still reaches out to me. What a king we serve. What a king. The name Jesus, when we sang that song, it should have erupted. It should erupt in this place every time. It should never be a lyric. The name of, the name of Jesus should never be just a lyric in a worship song. Well, we are worshiping. That name is above every name. It should explode. Shayla talked about a groan. It shouldn't be a groan. It should be a mighty shout. Jesus. I'm not ashamed of his name. There are a lot of people who are going to be calling on his name in the fourth quarter when their spread ain't right. That ain't us. He's my king, Jesus. I'm not trying to put on a good show anymore. Jesus, you want to know what it's about? Jesus, you, you want to know where I find myself all the time? Right here at the foot of this because the ground is level at the foot of the cross and I need his blood so badly. We're going to get in the word. You ready for the word? Hey, we're going to continue in a series we started called... Uh, that's the question, because we've been wrestling with the questions asked to Jesus, and we've got a bunch of them, uh, and if you miss some, they're all online. You can get, get them in all the social media forums. I didn't really encourage you to go back to them, because we've covered some stuff that, 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 that is uh, poking you in the place that you think is all right, and it's all right, because we're getting closer to Jesus. 
If, since you brought your Bible today, why don't you open with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Mark is the second book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, it is written by, we know, it's, we believe it's written by Peter, who, uh, it's dictated by Peter. It's written by Mark, his, uh, what in the Greek called the amanuensis, his secretary. Um, but it's Peter's story of his walk with Jesus. And if you need a title for this, uh, the message today, is Are You Asleep? Are you asleep? Um, just a, just a, a little while ago, I had to do something, and it was getting later in the day, and I text Jake, my son, and uh, I said, hey, can you come help me? Because Jake uh, li- lives in an apartment that's attached to our house. And I said, hey, can you come help me? And uh, there was no response, right? And when you get no response, when you need help, what happens? You, you, get, you get a little frustrated. And then so I waited for a little bit longer, and then I texted him again, hey, can you come help me? And uh, there was n- no response again. And I was like, then I started to get a little disappointed. You know what I'm saying? You get disappointed, you get frustrated. And, and, then, and then, then, then I said, fine. I guess he's, I guess he, I, I, this way, I guess he's asleep, right? I just guess he's asleep. Um, I, I'll do it myself. So I did it myself, and then I realized in the midst of doing it myself that he wasn't asleep. He was actually at work, right? He just, he wasn't even present. He wasn't even there. I was, I was upset. Come on, somebody. Because I didn't realize he wasn't present. I thought he was just asleep. The real question I think that we have to answer is what do we do when we think God is asleep on us? God is asleep on our situation, on our scenario, on our pain, on the things that have to change right now, on the things that we believe have a timer set on them. Do we respond with faith or do we respond with frustration? Are we trying to change God's posture in our situation or are we simply recognizing God's presence is already in our situation? Do we think he's asleep and needs to wake up Or do we simply know that because he is present, the miracle is already in the boat? In this text that we're going to look at today, the disciples are facing the same dilemma that we do so often, right? They're in a storm. They're worried. They're freaked out. They're thinking their life is over. And they find themselves worried about Jesus' posture. He's lying down, asleep. And it's this view of Jesus at that moment that causes them to question whether he cares for them, whether he actually loves them or not. Not the 10,000 things Jesus had already done for them over the the last while, but it's it's, it's how he is positioned in their eyes in this circumstance at that moment in the middle of that particular storm that gave them doubt. Now, I'm sure none of us have ever done that, right? We've never been like, I know, God, you've done everything else, but why are you sleeping now? But my friends, even though Jesus was lying down asleep, the miracle was still in the boat. I want to encourage someone today, the answer to our issue is not found in changing the posture of Jesus. It is found in understanding that the presence of Jesus is already there. The presence of Jesus already occupies your situation, your storm, uh, your, 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 your circumstance. He's already there. The miracle is already in the boat. He doesn't need to change his posture in order for you to get your miracle. We're always looking for Jesus. Is he on the move? Is he moving? Is Jesus moving? What's he doing? Is he about, what's happening? Is he up? Is he coming? Is he doing it? He doesn't need to change his posture. The miracle, even though it was asleep, 
was already in the boat. Let's look at this. Maybe this can encourage us. I hope it can. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And leaving the crowd, they took him, Jesus, with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. Because your miracle is not supposed to just change you. It's supposed to actually influence others around you. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling up with water. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you even care? Come on, somebody. We read this all nice. Teacher, do you care that we're perishing here? They are freaking the heck out. Don't you even care about us, Jesus? I know you said you loved us, but what's up? He awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still so little faith? So what is the issue that Jesus sees in this moment? What's the issue that he sees? Is it that the storm around them? Or is it their response to him in the midst of that storm? Is this a, I can't believe you took us into the middle of a storm issue? Like, hey, you knuckleheads, I can't believe you made some decisions that got us in the middle of the storm. And that was Jesus' issue? Or was it, when did you stop trusting me in the midst of the storm issue? Because that's where we live. This is where we live. When was there the point of the storm that I stopped trusting him? After how many waves did it take for me to start thinking he no longer cared? When did I start judging God for being asleep on my problems? Anybody? This is where we live. The issue was not that there's storms. The issue is somewhere along the way you stopped trusting me in the midst of the storm. That's Jesus' issue. And I want to note one thing even before we go any deeper because this, this text starts with a very strange sentence structure in the English language, right? It's like they took him with them in the boat uh, just as he was. That's a very weird sentence. Just as he was what? Right? Now, now, now what this means is that they took Jesus with them in the boat because he was already in the boat before they got in just as he was. He was already there. See, my friends, the first part of faith that needs to rise up in us when these questions begin to stir is, that the, is the knowledge that he is already in the boat before. Before we got in, before we started the journey, before the storm rose, before the waves started coming over, before we started to freak out, before fear rose and frustration came, he was already there. Why? Because his presence preceded the problem. I need to speak to someone today and let you know that his presence preceded your problem. Your problem did not bring his presence. Your issue did not bring Jesus to you. Jesus preceded, he was already there before they had a problem. That should bring us some peace because the miracle, my friends, is already in the boat. Now this is a challenge in modern day Christianity, I understand it, because where our deal in, with coming to God and having him in the boat in the first place is that here's the deal, God. I'll let you in my boat if nothing bad happens to me. Because once I become a Christian, nothing bad should be happening to me, Lord. The, and, and if it does happen to me, then you need to respond quickly. 
It's like, I got it, right? Now, I understand sometimes bad things happen, but you need to respond quickly. And when I say quickly, it's not your time frame, my time frame, God, because your day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. That's, I'm talking about my time. Yeah, uh-huh. Because after all, God delights, we always love this, because this is how we build our lives, Psalm, 20, uh, Psalm 35, 27. Because after all, God delights in the prosperity of his children. So he would only want good things to happen. God does delight in the prosperity of his children. But it's just that prosperity takes on a lot of different forms and is delivered in a variety of ways and within a lot of different time frames. And this is usually the rubbing point between what keeps one a believer or challenges one to become a disciple. How do I handle when the prosperity, the peace, the breakthrough of God when he's still asleep, and yet he is still tr asking me to trust that the miracle's in the boat. I think the issue is a, a believer's faith is affected by Jesus' posture, but a disciple's faith rests upon Jesus' presence. As believers, we're always trying to figure out, I think, where God stands on an issue, right? How, how is he going to, how is he responding? What are his actions? Is he active right now or is he passive? What's his posture regarding my circumstance, my pain, my situation in this moment? Because look at the response when they find him asleep. This is the story. It's not the storm. It's their response when they find Jesus Asleep, lying down. And by the way, Mark doesn't just say he's lying down. Mark says he's, lying, he's made himself cushy, I mean comfy, on a, on a big cushion, on a pillow. Our hands are bleeding because we've been at the oars. And what's Jesus doing? He made himself comfortable and is taking a nap. That's what our soul is saying when we're in this boat. The truth is they were offended by his posture of rest while they had a position of need. If they were working this hard to fix the problem, then Jesus should have been working harder to fix my problem. I don't know about you, I felt that way a lot. Jesus, I'm working really hard here, praying really hard here, giving really hard here, sacrificing a lot here. Oh, man, come on, we got some holy people in the place today. Right? This is real. I'm like, come on, Jesus. I'm working hard. You should be working hard, too. It's the same cry. We talked about the children of Israel, right? Earlier, Shayla was talking about them in the wilderness in Exodus 16 when they don't have any meat. They're hungry, right? And so the Bible says that they, that now, God had rescued them from slavery, 400 years of slavery, of tyranny, Right, rescued them miraculously, did everything for them. And after a couple of weeks, a couple of days of going through some trials, in Exodus 16, 2, the Bible says they start to complain and grumble and start to rebel against God because, God, what? I don't see you moving now. I'm hungry and you're not moving. By the way, I love how God responds here. Because one of the things that I want to really encourage us again is that God moves based on his faithfulness, not always on our faithfulness. He's faithful even when we're not. 
God shows up and blesses them. Like they don't even, they're not praying, they're not fasting, they're, they're not reading his word, nothing, nothing. No, they're not worshiping, they're complaining, they're grumbling, this is what they're doing. They're rebelling against God. And God says, fine, I'm still going to bless you. Do you know what he blesses them with? He blesses them with quail and manna. Now, now, for you and I, that'd be like, so what's the big deal? He just gave them quail and manna. Well, what he's giving them is sustenance and himself. Because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I was the manna that fell down from heaven in the wilderness. He was putting his presence in the middle of their boat. And he gave them quail as another image to tell of his faithfulness. Because doctors tell us when you eat quail frequently, listen to this, it improves the body's immune system. It helps kill parasites and bacteria that get into our bodies and therefore assist our body to actually kill foreign infections. That means that there was some stuff in them that they were carrying from Egypt, from their time in Egypt from their time in the world that was inside. They didn't even know it was there, but God saw the infection and he said, I don't want you to be carrying this into the promised land any longer. So I'm going to give you something you don't even know you need yet. You are, you are complaining and I'm still going to bless you. By the way, quail has so much vitamin A in it that it actually helps eye problems. Why is that a great thing? Well, because in the, when you're walking in the, in, the, in the desert, one of the things that gets affected the most is your eyesight because your eyes get burned out because the sun reflects off the sand and burns your eyes so you can't see because of the heat, because of the heat that you're facing. God said, I'm going to give you something that's going to help you see something differently. And just for those of us who love shadows and reality, you're seeing the shadow of the communion table. Because there was a blood sacrifice in the quail. The quail had to be killed. And out of it brought healing from what infects you. And the manna is the bread of life that you eat that sustains you on the journey. There's blood and bread in his... It's just because of his presence. The issue is, I think, what we have to understand while we're in the boat is that while we inhabit the present, this is, this is, this is where we, got, we have to grab this. Our soul is rooted in the experiences of our past and already is living in the possibilities of our future. That's what goes on. And to be honest, our soul starts to wonder about the future the possibilities and if we're on we don't wonder well we as a people don't wonder well we don't go hey you know i think everything's going to be all right we're like nothing's going to change life is horrible right we don't wonder well if i was to ask you today what would be more beneficial for you thinking more positively or less negatively the overwhelming response would be less negatively i know this is true I just said to you, I've had to take these kind of thoughts captive this year in so many different storms that we've gone through and walked through that were rocking my boat. But I thank God that he tells us in 2 Chronicles 10.5 that we have the power to take those things captive. We can take them captive and bring them under in, in obedience to Jesus. It doesn't mean that that changes the situation. It means that it changes me in my situation. That's all that that does. How I actually see God in the midst of it all. The real trap here 
that I need us to grab a hold of is that our soul, our soul wants so badly to be God. Our soul, our broken humanity, our mind, will, and emotions, the thing that's inside of you driving you, wants so badly to be God. Why? Because it's part of the original temptation. Genesis 3.5, the enemy says, if you do this, you will be like God. Now God, in this moment, exists outside of time and space. He exists in the past, in the present, and the future. So our fallen soul believes it can do the same thing. It can act like God to ourselves. Our soul tries to posture itself as a student of our past so that it can become the prophet of our future. And since our past experiences with God, even when he did show up for us, were not filled with thanksgiving and gratitude and complete and utter all of his goodness, because after all, deep down, we believed we are entitled to those things, because after all that we've done, all that we've given up, and since that's already part of the deal, God, why should I be thankful and grateful and in utter complete uh, sense of awe of who you are? So it taints the way that we see him, and it taints the way that we trust him for our future. We see this. This isn't new. Jesus teaches it in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Do you remember the guy who gets one, he buries it? But do you remember why he says he buries it? He says to the master, when the master comes back, he said, Master, I knew you were a hard man. I knew you took from places you didn't give into. So I was afraid of you. And therefore, I did not do what you told me to do. He created a fraudulent view of God's person so that he could justify not trusting him in the present. He, our soul creates a fraudulent view of God so that we can justify why we don't do what we're supposed to do in worshiping him and being thankful to him and trusting him in our present. I know you're a hard man, fraudulent. I know you reap where you don't sow. No, I don't, because everything you've got is mine. No, no, the seed that's in your hand, mine. The soil you're tilling up, mine. The cattle on all that thousand hills, all mine. The sun, mine. The earth, mine. The sky, mine. The water, mine. It's all mine. I, sow, I reap where I sow. It's a, our soul wants to create some fraudulent view of God so that we are justified and not trusting him in these moments. The reality is our broken soul will always misread the posture of God so that we can misrepresent the person of God to ourselves. How can he be asleep at a time like this? I thought you loved me. But faith says, and this is where it gets hard for the disciple because this is where we have to change and, and, and become the master of our soul and, and learn to live with a surrendered soul and actually take thoughts captive and, and actually begin to understand our flesh wants to go one way and the holiness of God wants to go a different way. This is the real battlefield. The battlefield after you're saved is not heaven and hell. That's already taken care of. The battlefield after you are saved is between being a believer and actually being a disciple. The battle's for your soul now. Who's going to control? Because faith says even when, as a disciple, we don't understand his posture, we can find rest and peace in his presence. Right. Pastor D and I, we've been talking a lot over the last year about 
how much peace there is and how is there is in being in situations where God leaves you no room. Right? He's like, there's no room. This is this. I don't have this. It's it's either him. mm, There's no room. Right? And for some of us, we're like, no. Right? That's so scary. Because when we're in that position, although the storm is threatening and many times in a real way, this is when our soul cries out, are you asleep, God? Don't you care for me, God? There's no way, I don't know what to do. Exactly, he's saying. Because he cares so much that he puts us in those positions so there's no room for us to second-guess ourselves. There's no room for us to second guess whether we messed up. Did we mess up the miracle by making that decision? Did we misstep and actually block the breakthrough that we were supposed to? God loves us so much, he takes away so many times an option other than him so that we can lie and rest and know that even when it's not there yet, we didn't screw it up. The miracle's in the boat, he's just sleeping. He's the answer. I can rejoice in his presence then. The truth is, and this is what I, the, the disciples somehow missed, that God is present in our, pre, in our past. God is present in our present, and God is present in our future all at the same time. He is present all at the same time, and not only all fully there, but fully the same. He is fully the same in my past, fully the same in my present, and fully the same in my future, all at the same time. God does not work within a linear time frame like we do. He's the same. That's why Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's why the angels fall down and cry out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Same God. In that boat and in that storm, when they were looking at his posture, they forgot his true presence. When they were in the storm and in the situation, they were looking at his posture. They forgot his true presence. Jesus was fully God and fully man at the same time. He did not lose his godliness when he did something human. He did not Come on. He did not lose his godliness when he did something human. When he ate dinner at the table, the Bible says in Luke 7, he knew the hearts of everybody at the table. Because the Bible says the Pharisee who invited him there said to himself, and Jesus answered him. That will mess. See, you think that you can just get away with internal talk and he ain't listening? No. When he was weary with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, what we've been looking at in fours and shoulder to shoulder, our, our, our discipleship groups. When he was weary, the supernatural side of him still was able to supernaturally know and bring healing to the woman at the well. When he was simply walking down the road, the Bible says the woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5, just one more chapter over, comes reaching up and grabbing a hold of him and the power of God that was in him flew out of him. See, it doesn't matter if he was asleep. He is still what Psalm 121 says is God of Israel who never sleeps, come on somebody, and he never slumbers. So he was fully awake to intervene. But we're looking and saying he can't do anything. He has to be like us and awake to do something. 
We are trusting, we are bringing God down to the human response rather than, rather than pushing the human to trust in the God response. The trap is when we, when, when we take cues from our perception of his posture, it creates doubts about his person. One of my favorite stories is in John chapter 11. Many of you are familiar with the stories where Lazarus, Jesus' friend, dies, right? And uh, Jesus doesn't show up for four days, which in Jewish theology means that the spirit of, John, uh, of Lazarus is gone. There's, there's, he, there's no hope for resurrection. He's done. And Jesus rolls up, and they're already thinking it's over, right? And then verse 35 says, Jesus weeps. To make things worse, Jesus breaks down crying. Now, I need to be honest with you. If I am at that tomb hoping that Jesus is going to do something and resurrect him, and I look over there and I see Jesus bawling his eyes out, that Lazarus is done, I'm thinking, it's over now. Come on. Even Jesus is crying. There's no hope. This is why we drop. We would like fantasize it like the Bible. No, no. If you were at the funeral hoping Jesus was going to resurrect somebody and you look over and he is bawling his eyes out, your soul is saying, told you it was done. See, that was his posture. Even though he remained in his person, the power to resurrect Lazarus. The truth is he can weep with us while still speaking resurrection to that which is dead in us. It's why he tells them only to believe because he is the resurrection. He is the life. It wasn't about having faith in his posture. It was about having faith in his presence about who he actually is. Come on, somebody. Jesus woke up in faith. He slept in faith. He laid his head down on the pillow in faith. He was the same Messiah asleep or awake. The same God, the same King of kings, the same Lord of lords, no matter his posture. The reality for you and I is that faith is, being, is found in being fully awake in his presence. Fully awake to his presence. To his presence. And it's so easy to get sidetracked by church and by doing good things and Christian theology and the arguments on the internet and, and what's, what makes somebody good. Faith is found in being fully awake to his presence. They were aware of his posture, but not awake enough in faith to see his presence. Why did they have so little faith? Because they knew what he could do they just not, did not yet know who he truly was. They were more connected to the way he acted than he, they were connected to his very presence. Because if they did know that, they would have understood he didn't need to move in order to move. He didn't need to move in order to move on the wind and the wave. His human side, what they were seeing, could be asleep. But the Godhead side of him that was inside of him was wide awake, and that was his true presence. Here's, my, here's the issue. In church, at times, we get used to God's posture, to the posture of God. When we worship, he stirs. There's a feeling. Something happens. begins to change. When we open our ears to his word, he either convicts or inspires our hearts. When we pray, he listens and he responds. When we give, he gives back to us. So we train ourselves that this is what God's stirring looks like. 
This is what God moving feels like. This is what God speaking sounds like. This is what God's prosperity is expressed like. So we train ourselves to look for those same things in our situation to know whether God is moving or not. I don't know. It doesn't feel like it feels in worship. I don't know. I'm I'm not hearing him as clearly as I do when I pray. Come on. We we begin to, 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 to train ourselves. We're looking for his posture, but his presence is so much more than that. When he truly stirs, the mountains tremble and and, and the darkness flees. When he speaks, the earth shakes and the angels fall to their faces. When he convicts, entire nations repent and all of creation bows down. When he gives, justice flows like a river. Peace comes to you and I like a never-ending stream. His son's blood flows from the... When he gives, his son's blood flows from the cross throughout time and space because that is what true prosperity is. True prosperity is not counted by dollar bills, but by what is done on Calvary's hill. That is what prosperity looks like. But we're like, I don't know. Am I prosperous? I don't know. Look at my bank account. I don't know. Look at your spiritual bank account. We're training ourselves to look for the... That's why we get swept up in movements. Because we identify the movement as the posture. The laughing movement, that was a long time ago. The, 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 the intimate worship movement. The gotta sit at his feet movement. The, the, the gotta, get, gotta get in with culture movement. That's all posture. My friends, we cannot say we have faith in God when we are viewing him through his posture rather than being in awe of his presence. Because, being, because having faith is being awake to his presence. The simple and the complex truth is that he is fully present and fully powerful even when we can't see his posture. Two chapters before this, there's this amazing moment, Mark chapter 2, where, um, his friend, where, where a bunch of friends are bringing a, paraly- a paralytic uh, man to Jesus. They get to the house. They can't get in. Do you know the story? They can't get in because of the crowds. So they're like, all right, I guess I'm going to have to get up on the roof. They climb up on the roof with this dude. Uh, they, they, they tear off the roof tiles. They lower him to before Jesus because they know he, Jesus is in the house. And when Jesus sees it, he heals the man, and the man gets up and walks away. It's an amazing story. But what I know about this is this. They couldn't see his posture. They just knew his presence was there. They didn't know whether Jesus was sitting or standing. They didn't know whether he was pacing around or taking a nap on the couch. They didn't know anything about his posture. All they knew was that Jesus' presence was there and that they needed to get as close to Jesus' presence as possible. They couldn't let the crowd get in the way. They couldn't let the tiles get in the way. They couldn't let their fear of heights get in the way. They couldn't let what people would think get in the way. They couldn't let, let what the owner was going to do to get in the way. They had to get sit. They had to. They They had to get in the presence of Jesus. Faith is knowing he's in the house. Mark 2, 5 says Jesus saw their faith. So faith needs to be able to be seen. It's knowing since he's already present, I'm going to respond to his presence. That's why we worship. That's why we pray. That's why we love. That's why we forgive. That's why we walk in holiness because he is present 
We don't worship on a Sunday morning because it's the right thing to do to get people excited about hearing the word. It's not the right liturgical thing. We worship when we walk in here. It shouldn't be to get you stirred up. We worship because he's present. We love because he's present. We give because he's present. We forgive because he's present. Not to get him to change his posture in our boat because the miracle's already in your boat. The truth is, my friends, Jesus didn't quiet the waves because they had faith, because he says they didn't. He quieted the waves to help them know his faithfulness so they could grow in knowing him, not just in knowing what he could do. Our God is always, always on point wanting to do something in your life. But more than doing something in your life, he wants you to know him in your life. Presence. I was watching a video this week, maybe some of you saw it, of a young boy in a wheelchair who was trying to cross a road that was flooded out. It was, the water was high and it was flooding, and he's in a wheelchair, and, and you're like, he's never going to make it. And he gets to the, all the way to the other side, and he must have hit the curb that he couldn't see on the other side of the road. And when he hits the curb, he flips backwards and falls out of the wheelchair into the water. He can't move. He, he is literally, the water's going over his head. He can't move. He's fighting to keep his head above water. And all of a sudden, a man on a bike appears on the other side of the, of the, of the road. And you're thinking inside of yourself, oh, good, all right, he's going to make it. He's all right. Th- this is a true story. The man who hops off the bike has one leg. The man has one. I'm like, they're both going to die, right? That's in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to watch two people die on this video, right? Because that's what our soul says. Our soul looks at and says, well, that's not possible. That's not going to, how is this going to work out? How is he going to actually bring change? How is this going to, the one-legged man hops all the way through the water, puts the boy back in the wheelchair and with great effort takes him to safety. It wasn't the posture of the man that saved the boy. It was the presence of the man that saved the boy. Sometimes I feel like that young boy who's fallen out of the wheelchair, powerless to move and trying desperately to keep my head just above water. And in those moments, I'm sure like you, my soul so often sees just a one-legged man on the other side of the river. What help can he bring? What is God actually going to do? I don't see this working at all. But in those moments, in those moments, our spirit has to awaken and recognize he is present. Our Savior is here. He's in the water with me. He's already in the boat. I have to remember who he is. It's why Psalm 42 verse 11 is so powerful when the psalmist says, Soul, why are you so downcast? And why are you bringing turmoil within me? Hope is in God for I shall again praise him because my God is my salvation and he is my God 
Sometimes when I am laying on my back in rushing water over my head and I am paralyzed by fear, by doubt, by hopelessness, by disappointment, by disillusionment, and all I can see through my blurry eyes is God asleep on the couch of my life, I have to tell my soul, soul, why are you despondent? Soul, why are you downcast? My God is here and he is my salvation. It's not his posture. It's his presence in my life. So the real question is who is asleep? Is it God's faithfulness to us or our faith in God? Because our God is still the God that never sleeps, come on, and never slumbers. So are we looking to take our cues from his posture or are we rooted in faith in his presence? Because the answer to that question makes all the difference. His posture or his presence? What do we look to? What are we basing our hope on, our faith on? Well, if he really cared, he would have moved by now. I don't even know how he can be asleep knowing I'm in so much pain. He has to hear our cries at the oars. Why would he be ignoring me in the midst of this? Because he got in the boat before you stepped foot into your journey. He was there and he can be fully asleep as a man and fully move as God. He doesn't need to change his posture for your miracle to show up. It's not his posture that needs to change. It's our posture. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus. I surrender. I surrender all. Pray with me. I don't know what you've been counting on or believing for, putting your faith in when it comes to these moments. But we need Jesus. We need more of his presence. We need to take our eyes off of all these other things that we believe will make him change, will rile him up, will make him move. Do you know what makes God move? His love for you. His love for you. We need to find peace even when he's asleep. I don't know when the breakthrough's coming in your life. I don't know when the healing's going to happen. I, I don't know whether your miracle will happen on this side of the veil or the other. But I know that my God is not a man that he should lie. And I know that he got in the boat before you ever started in that boat, knowing that the storm was coming. So maybe, just maybe for a few moments, 
If there's an area in your life today that you haven't surrendered to Jesus, could you just take a moment and surrender it? Maybe you're still at the oars. Maybe you're still looking at Jesus' side eye because he hasn't moved yet. Maybe you used to have faith until that person didn't get healed or that spouse didn't come back or that prodigal child walked away. But he doesn't want part of us. He wants all of us. His presence is here. Father, you know the times in our life that we have based our faith off of your posture and forgot about your true presence. So, Daddy, I pray today for every man and woman every person in this room, every person who's listening. I pray that whatever it is this morning, wherever it is, whatever it is, that we haven't surrendered, we surrender to you. Holy Spirit, come and move in this place today. Bring healing and breakthrough. God, let your kingdom come and let your perfect will be done. Today, we want the, the healing power of the blood to flow. We accept your grace and your forgiveness. We trust in you. We don't know when the storm's going to stop, but we know you're in the boat with us. We trust God in your love. Daddy, we trust in your love. We trust in your love and we surrender to that love today. Soul, come and magnify the Lord my God with me. Soul, stop being downcast. Stop being in turmoil. Soul, my God is my God. He is my salvation. He is the rock, my strong tower. He is my refuge. Though I be besieged on every side, my God is my deliverer. My God sets a thousand to flight. Ten thousand, two can set 10,000 to flight. My God is a mighty warrior dressed for battle. My God is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. My God is Yahweh Yira, the God that provides. He is my redeemer, my sanctifier. You are the God of peace. You are Yahweh Shalom, and so bring it in the midst of our chaos. Though our hands be bleeding from the oars, we will not give up hope. Because we know who you are. And we surrender to you, Jesus. And if that's you, if you prayed that today, if you're honest, just say amen. Just say amen. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. So be it. Amen. Let every chain fall off in the name of Jesus. Let every bondage be broken in the name of Jesus. Let every lie that we believe from the enemy be shattered in the name of Jesus. Let every darkness that we've hidden come into the light and be set free by the name of Jesus. Let your peace reign. Guard our hearts and our minds in you, Jesus. Guard our hearts and our minds. Devil, we give you no foothold. Come on, church, say it. Just tell them. Devil, you got no foothold. Devil, you got no foothold. I rebuke that thought. I rebuke that place. Daddy, wherever there's a foothold, I pray the healing power of Jesus in it now. Woo! Let the rock of Christ come. Shatter those idols in the name of Jesus. We started out praying it and we mean it, God. Every battle is yours and every victory is yours. Let your kingdom come over every person in this room. Holy Spirit, I'm praying this now. I'm praying for a fresh filling of the Holy Ghost. From front to back, left to right, every person in this room to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to overflowing in such a way, Lord God, that we are not in control. That you, Lord God, that you start to groan through us, that you start to pray through us, that you start to deliver us even from areas in that massage we didn't know were hurting. Father, I pray that you bring about your Holy Spirit with such power that we may be your witnesses in our marketplaces, in our, in, in our family rooms, in the parties we're going to tonight, Lord God, in our friendship group, in our generation, Lord God, in our group that we call we, in the name of Jesus, I pray for there to be a Holy Spirit movement, a Holy Spirit revival, a Holy Spirit uh, fire set ablaze. Oh, Jesus, we need you. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. You are not a man that you will lie. We trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Can we give God just a moment, just a moment of praise. Just thank Him for who He is, Lord God. Thank you for blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for loving me the way that we are. Woo! Hallelujah. Anyone believing for a breakthrough today? Awesome. I'm going to believe that with you. Hey, Pastor Rick's going to come and, and close service for us. So could you guys give Pastor Rick a hand as he's coming? But I love this man. Something you need to know about Pastor Rick is that Pastor Rick is not someone who just will tell you that you should be witnessing about Jesus. Pastor Rick is inspired. His God assignment is to share Christ with people. I mean, this week, I mean, he just, hey, just going to meet an old friend. We're going to have lunch, pray he gets saved. He wasn't thinking about the good meal he was going to have. He was thinking about the eternal soul that could be changed. So when, the reason I'm saying that to you is that when you listen to the men and women that come up here, their lives are dedicated to reflecting what they're saying. We don't get it perfect. 
We definitely don't have a 1,000 batting average. But this man is so amazing. And if you want to know how to share Jesus with somebody in a real normal way, not preach at them or make them feel like you're better than them, talk to him. We've got a whole video up on Linktree that you can show them that you can listen to yourself that he did to help you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with your friends. Because although giving into the offering is so important, giving away the gospel is our calling. Giving into the offering is our worship. Giving away the gospel is our calling. Amen? Come on, give Pastor Rick one more hand. fun right now too with with the offering and I'd like somebody some brave person to give me a large bill that I can keep I don't mean a utility bill I don't mean a utility bill here and no no oh here's somebody George Fox oh my goodness all right let's hear for George 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 is part of our TKC team he leads people to Jesus he's working back here serving back there in sound and uh, he's in my Forge group. He's a wonderful guy. What, what did you? Wow, that's a Benjamin. George, you didn't even hesitate to give it. Why was it so easy for you? Because it was never mine to begin with. Whose was it? It was yours. You gave it to me before the service. <laughs> you did that well, George. Well, you know, the Bible says that when you give into the give into the storehouse, God pours out a blessing. That's in Malachi, and it's not always financial. It can be many, many other things, as Pastor Kyle alluded to earlier. But um, I thank you for doing this, and you know that's something that we keep in mind too. It's it's not ours, and it's easy to give in that sense. We just don't own it; it's God's, and uh, because He says He'll pour out a blessing. Um, that's for you. Now you notice there's an envelope here. Oh, it's got your name, George. It's got your name on it. Don't, don't, no pressure. But listen, we're we're going to pray. We're going to pray over the offering right now. Okay. All right, Father, we just thank you and we praise you, Lord, for the just that the, the, the spirit of laughter, Lord God, is, is is part of our walk with you, and we thank you for the generosity of this church, Lord God. We thank you for George and all those who give, and we thank you for, uh, we want to extend our faith today, extend our, our, our expression of love to you. We ask that you bless this mightily to serve the kingdom of God, to grow the kingdom of God, and to grow us as well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, um, we also want to, before we end, uh, talk a little bit about Forged and Shoulder to Shoulder, our discipleship groups. They re meet remotely. 
and it's weekly and you're part of our group what would you say to get these wonderful people? You got to get in the forge and shoulder to shoulder. Simple as that. It's, it's <laughs> all right. Well, we appreciate your Super Bowl brevity, uh, George. <laughs> really. Anyway, all right. Let's, but, and, and to do that, go on our website. It's like three, three scrolls down under discipleship. Uh, go on, a, hit the QR code. It'll tell you how to sign up. But it's, it'll change your life. And, it's, and it's cha- it's, you've changed my life, too, as well. You changed my life. All right. All right. right, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this. We just thank you for this day. We thank you for Pastor Kyle's incredible message today. And may your presence, 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 not your posture, be part of our walk. We ask that we just go forth today and just enjoy the day with friends, with relatives. And we just praise you for who you are. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all.